So today, we're going to be in Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. So this will wipe out uh, chapter 11. It's on page 948 of the Pew Bibles, if you, if you want to look. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at some great people and the, their faith, okay? Uh, you can see that in this letter, when the, the, when the writer's writing this, he, he really quickly just throws out some names at the very end of, of this chapter. And, and it, it's more than likely because this uh, book would have went, this letter, because it would have been a letter, would have went to the church and be read. And he thought, wow, I could go on forever and ever and ever and tell, tell you uh, all this. I mean, I've made it a 20-week a, a sermon series. So uh, they would just come read this letter at the church. And so he's now going, oh, this person, this person, this person, and just thrown out some names. And, but we have to remember that all this is recorded for our benefit. Everything that is written in Scripture is, is written for our benefit. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. See, so as we read of their faith, I pray, this is my prayer, this has been my prayer all week. I pray that, that our faith will be increased, will be increased. And we also serve the same God, the same God that, that they, those people served. And remember I said last week, they were not superhuman people. They were just people like us. God can also do similar miracles through us if we believe in him. He is faithful. He is faithful even when we are not. He is always faithful. We have the people of faith. Hebrews 32 And what more shall I say? For a time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephiah, of of David, and Samuel. Just the names of these people would have been enough to remind the Jewish people who he was talking to, because this book was written to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people who were walking away from their faith. Remember, that's how I started this sermon series, if you can remember that far back, that I was saying this letter was written to a people because they were walking away from, from Christ and adding all this other stuff to it. And, and so... The writer of Hebrews is throwing out all these names. He's just throwing out names right now. And what's funny is he starts, he starts throwing out these names, and they're not even in chronological order. So we know he just, he just was going, Gideon, oh yeah, Gideon. And he said, Gideon, remember Gideon had 30,000 soldiers. And the army that was against him was 135,000. And... 
And he defeated them with only 300 soldiers. Because God says, oh, that's too many. You've got too many soldiers. I'm going to defeat them because then you'll know that you'll have to put your trust and your faith in me to do the job. To do the job. And then Barak. Barak, along with Deborah, Barak did great things for God through his faith. And we've got Samson. We all know about Samson. And and we're going to get to something about these men in a minute. Samson did impossible things. He did crazy things, usually for his own benefit in some ways. But he did amazing things through the faith that he had in God. Jephiah, he did wonders for the Lord. And David... David shows up to fight Goliath. Goliath, a giant that none of the other Israelites wanted to fight. Okay? David was a wee little boy then. He wasn't a big old man. He was was probably a teenager when he did this. Here's the thing about it. I love David's story. But we always get it mixed up anyway. Because we think we're David in the story. We think we can slay our giants because we're we're like David. That is not the story. David represents Jesus in this story. We are the cowering down Israelites on the sidelines saying, he's too big for me. I'm not going to fight him. David is being used by God because he trusts God. He trusts God. You even hear, well, he took all them, the pep, he takes the stones, okay? If, 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 if it was all, he didn't think it was going to be, at, but at some point he must have been questioned because he took too many stones because he only needed one. He had his faith was in God, though, when he did this act. He knew that that Goliath was too big for him. But he knew, he believed in the God that had conquered. He believed in the God that had protected their people. So David starts by saying, he didn't say, by the way, he didn't go, I'm David. By the way, he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you. I'm not fighting you as me. I'm fighting you in the name of the Lord. The Lord's going to fight you. I'm just the instrument that he's going to use. We, by the way, are all instruments that God can use. But we have to put our faith and our trust in him to do that. And then we have Samuel. Samuel had faith and the Israelites Samuel had faith and the Israelites were miraculously delivered from the Philistines. See, five of these people, five of the people that he picks were in the dark ages of the Bible. Judges is the armpit 
of society. All it keeps saying in Judges is they didn't do what was pleasing to God. They did whatever they wanted to do. Over and over and over again. It ends that way. It ends that way. People just do what they want. And he picks people of faith, which, do you know what? There's a lot of other characters he could have picked that didn't show all their flaws because they would die real quick. They still, were, they still did godly things, but they, they didn't, it didn't show their flaws because they weren't around long enough to show their flaws. But it amazes me that he picks these characters to show faith. Because they were broken people like us. See, they, and they didn't receive the fullness of God at their time of their faithfulness, did they? Because the fullness was the awaited arrival of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They put their trust and faith in something that they could not see with their physical eyes. They could not even hear stories about me because they were knowing that it was coming. So they trusted their God, that he was going to deliver them. Jesus is the one who has brought both the Old Testament and the New Testament believers together. And he has made them perfect. He has cleansed us and opened access to God. They put their faith in that. That, that their God was going to come and save them. So they were going to be made righteous. See, that's you, we have to put our trust in Christ on this side of the cross. There's a lot of evidence that Jesus existed. There's a lot of evidence in the world that Jesus died. There's a lot of evidence that Jesus rose. Outside of the Bible. Read books like Evidence Demands a Verdict. And The Case for Christ. They're books that will show you evidence outside of the Bible that Jesus existed. We can see this. Yet our faith, I don't think is as strong as these people that were awaiting something. It goes on to say, And the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Going to stop it right there. We'll get back on that, the rest of that in a minute. We have the prophets of faith is what he's telling us. See, they subdued kingdoms. David overcome kingdoms for the glory of God. David fought for God. Abraham overcome and fought for righteousness. 
they obtained promises. See, they had promises. And they obtained them when God gave them the promised land. God promised them something a long time before they got it. He stopped the mouths of lions. See, Daniel could sleep with the lions and have faith in God for protection. That would have been amazing. I mean, just to hang out in the, in, and not worry about, hey, I'm just going to curl up with this furry lion and not worry about it eating me. And having that much faith that these lions that he was going into were used to eating people for their dinner. It wasn't like they hadn't seen a person before. These lions were probably fed lots of people before. But Daniel gets to walk in there and lay down with them. Do you know that's a picture of? That's a picture of before sin. Before sin, we could do that. Before sin entered the world, lions didn't eat us. It says we could tell the animal to jump, basically, and they would jump. We, that, that to me, that he got to do that. They quenched fire. See, we got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're cool names. They are some cool names. And they refused to bow to a false king. And they were thrown in the fiery furnace. And they did not burn. Not because they did anything except for put their trust and faith in God. That he saved them out of the fire. There was, according to the Bible, there was, there was, they only threw three people in, but there was still three, four figures were in the flames. I mean, how amazing would have that been? And the fire was so hot, when they came out, the guards get too close and they just burned up. That's how hot they made the fire to make sure these people would burn. But they put their faith in God. They escaped swords. David escaped Goliath's sword. Goliath had slayed thousands of Israelites. But David took his sword and cut him up. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That God gave him that power to do that because he put his trust and faith in him. And in weakness, made strong. Sarah had a son when she was 90 years old. Could you imagine that? I mean, 90 years old. And it be normal. I mean... That's amazing. He put armies to flight. You see, the Philistines fled when David slew Goliath. They just ran away. They were scared. 
of basically a boy or a teenager with a slingshot. I mean, really, think about that. That's the kind of power, the trusting in God and the faith that you can put your trust completely in God, you have. At your beck and call, basically. That if you really trust him, he will do great things for you. The dead was raised. See, the, the Elijah raised the widow's son. God gave Elijah the power to raise somebody from the dead. That's pretty amazing. But only because Elijah believed that God could do it and he put his faith and trust in God. Now, this is where the Bible gets a little difficult. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed within the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Suffering and faith. We live in a world, by the way, we don't like that word, suffering. We don't want anybody to stand up here and tell, hey, you might be suffering for God. You might have to, on this side of heaven, suffer for God. People don't like that. Because we live in a country that believes a big, big majority of, of Christians believe that it's called the prosperity Bible teaching, that if, if I ask God for something... He's going to give it to me, and he's going to make everything okay. I know from experience that's not true. And most of us really do. But so many people get pulled into it because it sounds really good. It sounds really good. It's the biggest movement in America today. A lot of the popular music that's on 91.1 comes from churches that preach this way. That God exists for us. That would make me God and God not God. And God's not a vending machine. He's not, hey, if I put the right combination of stuff in here, I'm going to get what I want. He's going to give me what I want. 
That's the problem. Think about it. We talked about Joseph last week suffering and and trusting God all the way to the end. And I'm not saying his life wasn't good at the end, but he went through a lot of torture. He had to endure, continually putting his faith and trust in God. How would you have liked to be Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah? How many people signed up for Jeremiah's job? Nobody. Jeremiah endured mockings and scourging wherever he went. He was thrown out wherever he went. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Hey God, can I can I be your prophet and be beaten up? And then writes a verse like, I know the plans you have for me. Plans for good. <laughs> when you read that, people use that text. This is what cracks me up. People put that text. Oh, that's my life verse. Well, you might want to read the rest of the book. Because you're, you're willing to be treated like Jeremiah was, will, was treated. You're willing to suffer like he suffered for God. There's lots of them coffee cup verses out there that if you actually knew what they meant, you wouldn't have them on your coffee cup. We take the Bible out of context. See, suffered stonings. Zechariah suffered stoning. 2 Chronicles 24.20. Sword... History says Isaiah was cut in half by a saw. Hey, how would you like that on your resume? You're going to die by being cut in half. The magician's going to make a mistake and you're not going to be put back together. Because he was worshipping God. Because he loved God. Because he trusted God. They were tempted for God. Again, Joseph was tempted. And he had enough faith to put all of his trust in God and say, no God, I know that's not what you want for my life. You want something better for my life. So I'm going to run away even if that means I'm going to be thrown in prison. I'm going to follow you. Till the end. And we all know how long did the Israelites have to wander with no home? How long? We don't think about it, but there's lots of missionaries out there around the world that have no homes to place their head. Because they say, I trust you, God, to provide everything I need. See, in the end, whether these people were celebrating victories or sufferings, 
All these people of faith were awaiting the perfection that we now share with them through Christ. We have Christ. We know Christ. Why can't we be like these people? So no matter what we, we don't have to feel sorry for these people. We shouldn't feel sorry for these people, for what they went through. Because they valued earthly comfort with little value. Because they compared it to the great value and the great truths of Christ. See, earth's safety was secondary when placed along the eternal truths of salvation. And they remembered that earth's home shrinks in importance when compared to the heaven's mansions. See, these people would not deny their Lord and Savior. And neither should we. And let's remember that those who would the, the world values little, God values. God calls worth far more than the whole world. God values people who trust him. We can see how God prizes faith that endures to the end in suffering. And that is what gives us the strength to endure all things. We can learn from these stories. We can go, God, if these people went through it, I can go through it. And it's it's stupid things. We complain about stupid things. Really. We live in, in, in a country that is spoiled. Because even if you're poor, I'm telling you in Rockford, if you're poor, you're going to eat. There is no, the, if you're not eating, it's your own fault in Rockford. If you ever miss a meal in Rockford, it's your fault. Just ask John. It is, it is your fault that you go hungry in Rockford. And that's basically the whole of America. By the way, if you go hungry in America, it's your fault. There's, not, there's lots of countries that not like that. Even the poorest people in this country are richer than 90% of the world. We are rich. But we want more. And we complain about what we don't have here. See, we can see how God's praises praises faith that endures to the end in suffering. And that is what gives us the strength to endure things. But so often we fail or hesitate to live by that faith. Because we don't want the world to throw its dirty digs at us. And paste us with a derisive label. We don't want that. 
We don't want to be called weirdos. You know what's funny? Last week I wore my Jesus Freak shirt and everybody, I, I, I had two names for Christians. Either they were Jesus Freaks or Bible Bashers. I like both names for me. But anyway, but, 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 but it, 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 it is amazing that, that we get offended by what the world thinks of us. And we live a certain way here we live a certain way here at church and then we go out in the world and we try and fit in because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable with what we believe. We don't want to live out our faith because we might have to suffer. Hey, these people might not like me if they know what I believe. They might think I'm judgmental because of what I believe. So we hide who we are to the world. When we should be like a big highlighter. Highlighting Jesus. Because I'm only this person because of Jesus. Because of what he's done for me. I don't know why it keeps doing this. So I'm going to have to tell you what the fill in the blank is on the last thing. It was there a minute ago. I think John deleted it. No, it was me. It was me. The victory of faith. See, these ancient examples of faith, for all their flaws, they held fast to hope in things not yet seen. Considering the God who promised to be faithful and reward a reward worth receiving, whatever the cost. See, the reward that I want is to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. At the end of the day, that's what I want. Nothing else. See, both their testimony in God's faithfulness and his testimony to their faith challenges our self-centered and frivolous conceptions of of faith. Because we all have that, I want to believe because I want God to do this for me. God might not do that for you. Sorry to tell you. That might not be in God's best interest. We serve God. God does not serve us. See, it's a calling. It's calling us to a lifelong endurance with our eyes fixed on Jesus and our hearts resolved to follow him to the end, no matter what. And we can do this by one thing and one thing alone, by his grace. Because we're a bunch of sinners that have been saved by grace. And we need to trust that we are saved by grace. Because that's the only way 
we will move forward. We have to be patient. All these died not seeing the promises of the Messiah fulfilled. Still they kept faith in God. We're awaiting a day. We're awaiting a day, the day Jesus comes back. Now, he might come back today. He might come back after we die. I don't know. Be ready. That's what the Bible says. Be ready. Be ready for him. Make sure you are faithfully trusting him with your life. So let us catch the author's challenge here. We are New Testament readers. We see the full promises of the cross of Christ and it's ours by faith. We see the full truths of God's promises and they are our, they are in our hands. Now then, what will you and I dare to do with him? If we believe this text, what will we do for him? Will our portraits, by the grace of God, be added to the hall of faith? Will our gracious God count us among those who have done the only great things this world has truly seen or ever really known? Will your name be listed as a faithful Believer, as a faithful person who is willing to trust God with everything. See, faith is of little value until it is tested. That's how you know you got faith when it's been tested. You see, these great, great men of this chapter had their faith tested and it was stable. How strong is your faith? Will it stand testing? Is it strong enough to trust God regardless of the circumstances? Will it stand against fear, discouragement and doubt? Your faith in God can surely make you stand true at all times if you truly have faith. Who do you have faith in? You? That's, gonna, that's not going to get you very far. Ask my friend Drew. You have to put all your faith in Christ. And give it all to him. When we choose to follow Christ, we say, I want it all. That's true following. That's true following. So I ask for all in this room that. Our Lord, our Savior, will give us the kind of faith of these believers. That no matter what we're going through, if we're victors, we are faithful.
because he is causing our victories. If we're suffering, we are faithful because he is allowing the suffering. He doesn't cause it. He allows it to grow you. So, think about that this week. Who do you really trust? Because that's what faith is. Who are you trusting to supply everything that you need? Not what you want. Are you allowing God to make the decisions for you? Or are you making the decisions thinking that God's going to come along your side and support your every action? Because if we want to live a godly life, if we want to live for God, we need to allow God to tell us what we need to be doing and how we need to be acting. And then read chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 11, to get ready for next week's sermon, the Christian and our development, and how God sometimes disciplines us. Uh, now I said the word discipline, I wonder how many people will show up next week. <laughs> Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're an amazing God who... Uh, Trust us, and, and, and without your faithfulness, we are nothing. You are faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to, to, to know that you are in control of our lives. And that, that, that help us to submit to you and to trust you with our lives. Whether we are suffering or we are the victors. God. Help us to act out our faith so the world can see. Let us not worry about what the world says about us. Let us worry about what you think about us, God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.